everybody, welcome back to America Mao and the Metaverse with the two Pauls. Paul, welcome back. I'll give you a choice right now, mate. We've got two things that we could talk about for hours, um, but I think we'll talk about them both for about 15 minutes each, but I'll give you the option of which one you want to go first with. Project Hamilton? Um, let's go or, to Project Hamilton. Or Cybercrime, cyber pick one. Let's go to Project Hamilton, yeah. So I, I was under the impression that anything Hamiltonian was destructive and creative and revolutionary. And I just I just described it to you as Brett is digital Bretton Woods. It's Jamie Dimon being the only one with the password to the whole thing, underwriting big banks and and destroyers of all things fintech. For those who have not heard about the Boston Fed white paper, and it was a white paper, correct me if I'm wrong, on the future of digital, of the digital dollar or digital currency, US dollar, in the United States. Can you explain to our audience how this is going to be an unmitigated fucking failure? <laughs> well, I mean, so it comes out of the Boston Fed, and it was done in conjunction with MIT. And of course, something that's important as well is Circle. Circle's a very major player with the institutions, and Circle is one of the major brain trusts in, the, in, in America. The connection between the digital world and the financial world—they are one please, of the. Central- please explain. Please explain for those who don't know what Circle is. Okay, so Circle is, gosh, it, it's kind of a, a combination of consensus. It, it's got it, it's, it's got its hands in everything. It's got its hands in all of these. Digital relationships with, for instance, Visa. It's got a very tight relationship with Coinbase. It is one of the major brain trusts for a lot of the rollout of uh, digital technology in the last 15 years. The guy, Alkire, is one of the greatest thinkers in the country on all this. They are expected to have a SPAC coming out, a a $4 billion SPAC, very soon at at a very high valuation. The company doesn't make any money. But they are a major player in terms of the brain trust, the technology, the connections to the licensed entities. Again, you and I are talking about licensed entities here. By the way, the Fed's very, very clever. The Fed is never going to have anything coming out of Washington. It's, not, it's never going to have anything coming out of New York. They can't be seen to be that over-the-top, ridiculously sort of oligopolistic, protecting the cartel of New York. They can't be seen to do that. And Boston's as good a place as any. Something else, Paul, that is important as well, like, for instance, SWIFT. The S in SWIFT stands for society. Well, that's the last thing SWIFT is. <laughs> no, the Fed's very, very clever in all of this, right? Mm. And so they describe, the first part of it is a description of a Fed-centered, a Federal Reserve entity in Washington-centered, non-blockchain, non-very user-unfriendly for any kind of a blockchain-based digital currency. And then, oh, well, that can't work. And and by the way, the Fed is not a technological leader. And that's about 120,000 transactions a second. To give you some context on that, that's what MasterCard was capable of like eight years ago, 10 years ago. So the speeds offered by the Fed are are 10 years ago, U.S. credit card companies, right? Oh, phase two. Phase two is what you described, which is hilarious, which is exactly what I was thinking. I didn't talk to you until now. But that's exactly the same conclusion I drew last night when I was uh, writing down some notes for my clients is basically this is a this is a uh, one for one digital coin, which is a one for one deposit replacement. Right. For uh, fractional reserve licensed banks. And everyone's going to get one whatever they're going to call it, a Hamilton coin. 
It's going to be a replacement for current incumbent licensed banks. So anyone talking about all of this Marxist, wonderful, inclusive arrangement for the United States, forget it, because this is going to be a, this is essentially a digital replacement of Bretton Woods. I think that's exactly what I came to conclude last night. And and I was blown away by this. And so now this is 1.7 million uh, transactions per second. And I think the reason why they had pointed those speeds out is because, well, guys, of course, option B is the one you want because it's, you know, it's like nine times faster than the Fed one. And so we'd rather not do this. But if we have to, I guess the licensed banks can do this, right? And so, you know, this puts someone like Silvergate in in good stead in this because Silvergate is the only digital licensed bank in the United States. And so that's kind of the the layout of of, of the paper. You're right. It's a white paper. I think it's pretty important. It's coming out of the Fed. It's done with the blessing of MIT. Circle was involved. It's backed by the central Fed in Washington. Nobody came out and was bitching about it. No other Fed governor was bitching about it. They were all quiet. You know, this is an important data point. So my sense, Paul, is I was astonished how utterly closed, not blockchain, licensed members only, right? And, and I think Jamie Password's going to be given, a, given one, Jamie Dimon's going to be given one password and the other big banks are going to be given a password, but it won't be the correct password. And then nobody else is going to get any password. <laughs> so with all this, I mean, I don't see the point. I've never seen the point of this, right? Because again, I understand a blockchain-based protocol in terms of cryptocurrency, right? I understand the notion of a blockchain-based, like a digital RMB in terms of the centralized nature, the, you know, effectively using blockchain protocols within, the, within a centralized framework, which is effectively what the Chinese have done. Why do we need this? What, what added, X the speed, right? Which, by the way, in terms of, it's not the digital dollar as it is today, a digital dollar as it is today. That's not the thing that slows it down. It's the technology of the Fed that slows it down, right? So why why do we need this and why? Well, I I think there's a couple of things. I, I think that the Fed has just been seen to be so out of touch, to be so behind the eight ball on all of the developments that were happening in China. I think that's one and two. Number three, I think there is a legitimate reason for doing this to spread the currency around on a pure digital basis. I think that's fair. And I think also, what's the elephant in the living room? The elephant in the living room, Paul, is that the banks know that PayPal and Square have got runaway digital technology for P2P. They're telling Square and PayPal, hey, you know what? We just created a licensed system of of licensed bank only digital technology that we're going to come after, right? And we're going to monopolize as a unit, as, as a cartelized unit the payment system and uh, payroll systems and P2P activity. And by the way, I think there's something else too. Again, the other elephant in the living room is the fact that how do they, how do they, how are they going to ram this through? They're going to just play the China card again. They're going to say, we have got, we can't beat China at their own game. We're never going to be at uh, DM was a catastrophe. We thought DM was our leapfrog. Hail Mary pass, the right. DM was canned. And by the way, it's not an accident that the day that DM 
was dissolved was the passage of this Hamilton project, right? Those are within 20 hours of each other. And so, so I think that the, the, the catch up to China on blockchain was not going to happen. DM is not going to happen because every regulator privately, I visited like eight regulators that year because I was pushing a book to the CFA Society, my book on AI and quantum computing that I written like five years ago. And I was going around to the Asian central banks and Asian regulators to talk about the book. The CFA Society carted me around. You would not believe the hilarious pushback on, on it when it was called Libra. When I was talking, they asked me to say, look, this is great. We want to hear about the book for 20 minutes. And we want to talk to you about Libra. Mm. And the over overwhelming opinion of everybody from Beijing, Seoul, Manila, Jakarta, Singapore, Bangkok, Dhaka, Bombay was over our dead body is Facebook. Well, right, but that, but that, was, that was because it wasn't the messenger. It was the messenger, right? So Facebook was the problem with that. And, yeah, totally. And we know, and we know that. Totally. Where but this find- is... That's right. That's right. That's right. And so the blockchain wasn't going to happen. DM's not going to happen. This has to be the next best thing. It is something. It is a digital product. It's probably going to be a USDC, some sort of stable coin. It locks out the crypto community, number one. Number two, it locks out unlicensed entities. The only licensed entities there are in the space are two. SoFi just got a bank license last month and Silvergate. Everybody this, else. But does this mean that Stripe and PayPal have to get bank licenses? I think exactly yes. I think that's exactly right. I just think, and, and by the way, getting a bank license takes about one to two years. You, you got to, it's like getting a liquor license. You have to show that you're a good guy. <laughs> or they buy, or they buy a bank. Correct. Possible. And then, of course, the authorization and the permission you know, from all the agencies takes probably three to six months. But you're right. Correct. That is a possibility. You buy a license. Correct. That's right. So, I mean, so you could see, again, I just the, 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 thing, the sexiest thing just popped in my head of, of Stripe buying Silicon Valley Bank or something like that, right? I mean, yeah. no, what they, 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 they tend to buy a nobody bank. Like one of the big something out, well, something out of Utah with the regulations, yeah. like, the, the lower regulation in Utah. Yeah, right? one of the fintech companies bought some crappy small bank in Ohio and, and, and it was a total like, it's a license. So, what do you want? It's a license. We've never even heard of these guys. You know, it had like 79 employees. That's what's going to happen. Uh, they're going to go after. No, and, well, and I was thinking today, Paul, I, I don't know about you. What do you think? Um, a lot of these stocks have gotten the hell kicked out of them, all, all these, you know, t- these marginal tech companies. And so maybe the banks go after some of the fintech. Well, I that, okay. So that's always been, mate, that's always been a, one of the things, one of the ways I look at the world very is very simply is where does a Stanford engineer grad go to work? Right. And I used to say, where do graduates from Peking University go out of college? They go to work. They used to go work at at, um, at Ant Group. They didn't go to work at China Construction Bank, right? And my thesis for China for the longest time was maybe you need to have the SOEs or China merchants or whoever it is going in and buying a, a Chinese fintech firm. Flip that on its head. If I'm a Stanford grads are doing two things right now. They're going to work in climate and they're going to work in blockchain, right? That's what they do. Right, gone are the days. They used to go to work at hedge funds. They used to go to work at Google, and now they're into climate and climate and blockchain. Where are they not going? Let's go through the list. They ain't going to Wells Fargo, and they ain't going to City, and <laughs> some of them might be wooed by Jamie Dimon, but most aren't going to work at J.P. Morgan either, right? Or, or Goldman Sachs Technology, that, or, or, Gold, or Goldman these days, right? And Goldman was the destination of you know when I was lucky enough to go through their training program and get hired back then. Three years later, I wasn't getting that job, right? Because the best and brightest were going in and get and, and going there. Uh, but they're not going there today. When you've got, well, what's pay? Well, PayPal's down what, sixty percent from peak. 
Still a big acquisition, right? It's still a very large acquisition. Stripe's still a very large acquisition. But what's SoFi worth? I, I couldn't tell you. What's, what's SoFi worth? SoFi has to be a $100 billion company, right? Oh, no, no, no. I think it's much lower. I haven't checked the market cap of SoFi, but much, much lower than that. I, I haven't double-checked. Right. But, I mean, you know, so JP Morgan could buy SoFi, for example, and it wouldn't do a dent. It's just the old school revenge. It's just the ability for, you know, for companies that are getting, getting slowly eradicated through technology. Is this the way that they bounce back? Right. Again, you know, not very, the dirty little secret about, well, there's two financial services giants that have done more innovation on, particularly in the blockchain universe, than any other, than com- most companies on the planet. And that's MasterCard and Visa, right? And, yep. and you've written about this stuff at length, right? So, when does Visa and MasterCard realize that that their plumbing, right? There's limitations to their plumbing, right? And whether that's Apple Pay or whatever, whatever it is, they've got struggles themselves. But why did they not go in and buy? And does Visa get a banking license, right? That's again, you know, in in the world you've described, right? It's not inconceivable. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I, th- I think I think there's going to be a lot of M and A activity because of this, because th- th- this is very clearly uh, policy driven. It's it's driven on the on on the ostensible back of we need to round up, we need to circle the wagons to counter China. It, that is exactly how it's going to be presented to Congress. It'll be passed. That's why it can't be seen to be coming out of the Federal Reserve office in Washington. And Boston's a very respectable place, and it can't be seen out coming out of California. It's very important that it's Boston. Right. It should have come out of either the San Francisco Fed yep. or the New York Fed, and it didn't. It's Boston. So this is important. I think there's a lot of theatrics here. There's a lot of stuff that's going to have to be done in the middle of the night. But it is clearly exactly what you said. This is J.P. Morgan and the major banks who have 80 percent of the deposits are going to have a one for one replacement of their deposit base with a stable coin that will be fungible to virtually anything that will be tied to the dollar, and that will be a closed system. And I believe that it won't even be blockchain. It is, I, I, I had one client today counter me, and he said, oh, it's going to be blockchain. And I'm like, it's not. And even if it is, a, a closed system with a single password, which is a gigantic Excel spreadsheet, blockchain, is, is it, it, it utterly defeats the purpose of having blockchain. The key point here is if you are not a licensed entity in the United States of America, you are out. You are not being given an invitation to participate. So on that, mate, obviously there, we still live in a world where do- dollar dominance is declining, clearly, right? And we've talked about that at length. But And we've also talked about at length how the digital RMB, which obviously has got its coming out party with the Beijing Olympics as we speak, mm-hmm. is not going to be used in many places offshore because, as the PBOC have called it, it has controllable anonymity, which is Chinese central bank parlance for it's traceable, right? So... You know, if you're India or Indonesia or Australia, you're not using the digital RMB because you're worried that the, the PBOC is going to monitor it, right? Talk about talk about the prospects of this Hamilton project or this new digital dollar being utilised offshore and the implications that has in terms of reinforcing the dollarized world. Yeah. So, well, one of the problems why people often say that U.S. monetary policy doesn't work that great in terms of like smoothing out economic cycles is that I believe seven or eight years ago, dollars offshore became more than the dollars circulating inside the United States. 
But a lot of those dollars are circulating in subsidiaries of U.S. banks operating in whatever, London, Luxembourg. Oh, so it, and it don't discount on how much organized crime is part of that as well, right? And so- massive, 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 massive. Absolutely, yes. And, and number two, by the way, which is interesting, if you read between the lines on this U.S. dollar coin, it is not traceable unless there's a warrant. If there's a police warrant, guess what? It's traceable. <laughs> Because we're not going to trace who's the owner now, but we can ex post facto back out and find the trail of ownership of any transaction. So it's not traceable, but we can flick a switch and therefore it is traceable. Of course. It's like like the NSA, right? The NSA collects all the data on telephone calls and they're not going to look at it until a crime has been committed. And then they're going to go back and look at it because they'll have a warrant. That's the same thing with the the Hamilton project. That's what was implicit to me in the text of the, the Hamilton paper. Which may, may, which goes back to something I've said a lot, and there may be ways around this, and I, and I may be overblowing the concern that I have. The moment you tell any, any Republican, leading Republican, that this currency is traceable, that the Federal Reserve will be able to monitor who has what stable dollar at what time and has been given to them from a, a, you know, whatever purpose, I struggle to see how the Republican Party votes for that. Well, hold now, on I'm a second. I'm blowing this to the threat, the perceived threats from China, which I think are complete rubbish anyway, um, may overblow that, but, but it's a concern for me. Paul, that's the way the paper was written. It was saying basically that going forward, nothing is going to be traceable. The coin will have an ID. The person will not have an ID. That will satisfy Republicans. But if there's something going on that's illegal, that's a, that's money laundering or terrorism, right? The Republicans are really going to be on top of this and say, we need to have a, a, a capability for tracing terrorist activity. And the paper implicitly said, don't worry, we can do that ex post facto. If there's a warrant, we can, we can, we can back it out and find out the trail. So Republicans- just based on that, so if every, if every dollar has an ID, Going to the utopian world that we've thought about ourselves X years in the future of programmable currency. No, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but but if it is, if there, if each dollar has an ID, right? In theory, in theory, you could put time limits on those dollars. In theory, and and and, and quality limits. The Fed can tell you what you can buy with this. You, you can't buy cigarettes. You can't buy alcohol. But you can buy foodstuffs. And you got to buy it by next Friday. That was like super absent from the paper. I mean, the, the Fed can't even discuss that in public. Uh, and that will not be a public discussion. And mm-hmm. anybody who's asked that question by anybody in the House or Senate is going to say, that's not even on the that's not even on the radar screen. That's not even on the agenda. But it, it, conceivably, you are correct. That can come later on. That can come later on. Let's put this on its head for a second, right? Mm-hmm. And say the following: that given what we saw in the cybersecurity space in the hacker sphere over the course of the last two weeks or so. Putting my Boston Fed hat on for a second, Paul, I will tell you that fintech companies can't be trusted, that the hackers are winning, that the $320 million worth of crypto that gets stolen from DeFi platforms and the like as it did in the last did last week is an indication that we need to have something which is much more stable that the digital the digital dollar the Hamilton the Hamilton dollar is in the hands of Jamie Dimon is a much more stable and secure way to digitize 
the U.S. economy. I agree. All, that all fintech companies can't be trusted, and we're just destined to have hack after hack after hack. Um, that, that's the argument. The argument is basically this is the safest way to go. It's a one-for-one -one replacement of existing deposits. Everybody will have uh, standing in place. It probably they'll probably have some like okay, some average of of the deposits over a period of time, and this is how many coins you get, and your customers can have this. Now, my question was, will customers want to change from JP Morgan to Wells Fargo or Bank of America or Elm Street Bank right down the road if somebody's technology is better? I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt there's going to be a technological... Well, but the coins will be fungible. I mean, the Wells Fargo dollars and the JP Morgan dollars, they'll be fungible, right? So you will be able to move your digital dollars from, you know, digital digital wallet A to at JP Morgan to digital wallet yeah. B to Wells Fargo, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But can one bank have more clever digital products? Can one bank say, you know what, we're gonna? I'll give you an example. We're gonna have a special capability of converting our JP Morgan coin into Bitcoin. Yeah. No, but look, man. Again, but then it goes back to does you know does does well. Can Wells Fargo buy SoFi? Can JP Morgan buy Square? Right? Do they need to buy these companies to innovate? Oh, uh, one way or the other, you're right. Square can go find a bank in Tennessee, or by the way, I just checked. SoFi's market cap is ten billion. It's not that big. I, I was only off by ten x. There we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and so one of the two is going to have to happen. It's going to be takeovers of existing fintech companies or the fintech companies. SoFi applied for a license and received a license, and it was a long process, right? So they did not buy any. They, they, did, they did not so, buy so, so aren't they in good shape? Or are the coins limited to certain banks with, I know this wasn't in the paper, but do you think they'll be limited to certain banks with certain market caps? I mean, is Fifth, is fifth, third, fifth, is fifth third Bank getting coins? Is first, first, first National Bank of Tennessee, if such a thing exists, is that, is that getting coins? <laughs> Any bank with deposits should get a one-to-one -one coin deposit coin or some Hamilton coin for one-to-one -one deposit. Right. If, you, if you're a licensed bank, you, you're, you have access to Hamilton coin. Does the price of banks go up because of this? Well, the well value, does the value of a bank license go up because of this? Absolutely. The banks are going to get re-rated. I think that's right. The banks will be re-rated. I think that's right. Because this is this nobody expected this. Nobody expected. The, the Fed to just reinvent Bretton Woods 2 all over again with virtually and, and every fintech company being essentially cut out. And if you want to play the game, you're going to have to become a licensed, federated part of the system. And do and here's the thing, does Deutsche, does Deutsche Bank and their do foreign banks with U.S. subsidiaries get access to the coins? I don't think anybody has. I think we're, 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 we're still not. on like five and, right. and Deutsche you know, a New York office is like that's hundred. That's number one hundred and seventeen. Now, mind you, I think the ECB is looking at this really carefully, and they're like, "Oh, huh, this is a really good get out of jail free card because our blockchain thing is like a hundred years behind, and we hate Google and we hate Facebook, and we don't know what to do, and we're relying on a weird consortium of like Spanish, French, and Italian banks. If I told you the names of the banks who were in charge of this, the um, blockchain project, your hair would stand on end. And so Europe is, is basically getting having its own system. And they're going to say, what? Libra was a flop. The centralized central bank e-currency that could beat with China has is not happening. 
maybe we can get away with this and we can have like get, a, get away with it and embrace a, a sort of a dodgy model like the US have a Charlemagne coin or something like that I don't know yeah yeah mm. I, I think I think that's I think that's right because what's happening what's happening also is essentially the US like what we have done for decades the US is saying you know what for the banking system we're going to do pounds and pints and yards here and if you want to do meters and centimeters and liters great we're not doing that I mean, we're talking about systems that are, good, that are going to be that fundamentally inoperative. That's why I'm getting pushback from some of my Asian clients, because they're like, are you sure? I mean, this is so like not what we expected. And it's so in your face to the Chinese experiment of the ECNY. It's going to be, they're going to be totally incompatible. It's like Excel right, versus... Are we, shocked by, are we shocked by that though? Because again, this is not like there was, this was never going to be a compliment. It was always going to be a rival, right? Rivalry is not it. This is kind of a, a finger in the eyeball saying, take your block to your fancy schmancy blockchain and go to hell because we're going to do pounds and, and, and pints and, and yards here and have a medieval system that's basically the same as the one we established after the dollar broke from the gold standard in 1971. It's going to be that different. And it's going to be licensed under the aegis of the central bank. And by the way, the similarities are. China did exactly this, but with an e-currency, really clever blockchain system that kicked Alibaba and Tencent out, and it became a central PBOC thing. This is exactly what the U.S. has done, only they're doing it in the context of private sector licensed banks, right? And who owns the Federal Reserve? The banks. And so this is kind of a quasi-nationalization as well in America, if you catch my drift, because it just has basically kicked it's basically kicked all the fintech companies in the cojones, right? Mm. And so they're, they're going to have to scramble and figure out how they are going to become licensed entities. That's going to be number one on, in the boardroom today for all these fintech companies. And hence, and hence the M&A binge that we're likely to see. And at the end of the day, this is the get out of jail free card for JP, JP Morgan's not a great example because they're probably further down the track from a fintech standpoint than the others, but for City. For, for Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo to be available to a lesser extent. It allows it allows them to leapfrog into the, the modern world. Mate, before we go, I do want to go back. I do want to chat a little bit about all the cybercrime that we've seen recently and the hit to credibility that's given for fintech. If we're going to call, if this week's edition is called anything, it's called the fintech's black eye. You sent me an email which you were sending out to clients, which but I never called what you write emotional. But that was alarmist and scary in terms of its tone, in terms of what's going on in the fintech space and the and the and sort of how the hackers are winning. Can you talk a little bit about what you wrote and and the yeah, Paul? I mean, I, I, like I've been part of this for years. I just finished a book on the metaverse. I did a book on prop tech. I did a book on fintech. I did a book on insure tech. I did a book on quantum computing and AI. And what I've been hearing for many many years, Paul, is this is a great opportunity for inclusion for digital inclusion, for, for people to actually get access to lend, lending for small and, business, small and medium-sized enterprises, blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of this Marxist, blow it up and, and let's recreate it and offer opportunities for young people. Well, I'm sorry, but every time you turn a corner in fintech or prop tech or insure tech or the crypto world or now NFTs, it just seems to be controlled by a bunch of mafioso hyenas who are just stealing whatever is not nailed down. And, and, and I do so much work with the Singapore government and the FinTech, the Blockchain Association and the universities in Singapore. And there's such a promise to the young people. 
And crypto is a world that where whatever, 90% of all of the crypto activity is controlled by 0.1% of, of all the players. And now what we see in the NFT land in the last like six or eight weeks is not even like New York mafiosi. It's like 1700s Russian czarist mafiosi where, you know, th there's just no chance of, of, of getting anywhere. And so you had these open seat, uh, the report out for the last you know, several weeks is that up to 80% of the um, NFTs are plagiarized art, fake collections, or spam. 80% on OpenSea. This is ridiculous, mm -hmm. right? On DeviantArt, we have a 300% increase from November to into last week of fraud alerts. Another one is where we're seeing uh, a lot of syndicate activity in uh, LooksRare, a site that allows you to get rewards for eyeballs. And, and what they're doing is basically they're promoting people to create syndicates. And then Beeple NFT, which is a Singapore-based entity, I wrote a little bit about that. I don't want to go into too much detail, but there seems to be a lot of what would be in regulated equities land, clearly undisclosed insider trading. But it's not. It's not regulated. So that's not necessarily a crime. And you go on through Discord, Blockverse, crypto wallet support fraud, providers of smart contracts fraud on Ethereum, errors on listing and relisting in OpenSea, on and on. And, and I just was poking around all weekend long. I spent the whole weekend doing this. And it's like, FFS, what, what is going on here? And mm. this seems to be, again, another example where a lot of young people thought, well, maybe I can put my art on and maybe I can make some money to support my, like these are 20-year-old artists in whatever, Bangladesh or the Philippines or Malaysia. And they're just getting stampeded by greedy hyenas who are have no sense of ethics. And so to me, it's discouraging to, to have come up with a lot of these data points. But I think we need to step away. I think people should be stepping away from the NFT market because it's going to have a terrible crash. Now, Paul, you and I have been around the block. All of the early equity market explosions were, were the same. The, the, the hyenas came in, and they were doing syndicates and ramping stuff. And, and then, then when it comes crashing down, it falls by 80%. Expectations are dashed. People are disgusted. That's when you buy. And the real, and the real businesses thrive, right? I mean, mate, whether it's SPACs, like we said, you know, I think you could argue this. Some some incredibly dodgy stuff going on in the spec in the spec universe right Axe now. Correct. Uh, Axe there's some good ones. There's obviously some good. And again, like like all things, like all new technologies, there are good companies, and there are look. The majority of the actors are are, are, are good quality actors in, in these spaces. I'm convinced of that. And there are you know bad eggs. There's probably more bad eggs in the NFT space than what there were in other areas as we speak today. Why why do you think that is? Well, because because it's because it's under, it's the Wild West. It's underregulated, right? It's the you know it's, it's, you can get away with this shit. I guess. I guess. Yeah. So it's but look again. It's it's always the third phase of all of this is let's get the froth out of this. And I, and I don't know what the end of froth looks like. I mean, is this is it is it Bitcoin to twenty thousand as the poster child of this? I mean, can you have a a, a flush out in the NFT world and still have Ethereum and 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 Bitcoin holding up because they're the because they're the safe the safe haven asset of the crypto universe. I don't I, I don't think so. I think that there's I think it's the cabal of the 0.1 percent who controls all of this have very very deep pockets. Look, I mean, and look, these things are manipulated. We know that, right? Mm -hmm. But and whilst Bitcoin and and Ether can be supported, 
there's nothing that's going to, there's not a lot to hold up the NFT market in the aggregate. I agree. Uh, a lot of pain to be felt. So, all right, my friend, just uh, because I know people are interested, a quick uh, quick uh, update on Willie. Willie is fine. I don't know where he is. Um, oh, he's on the sofa. He's asleep. Oh, uh, good. Yeah. Well, we, won't, we won't disturb him. Mate, have a fantastic yeah. week and we'll chat okay. to you all, uh, chat to everyone very soon. Okay. See you later, Paul. Thanks. See you, mate. Bye-bye.